I bring you a message of peace. <laughs> uh, I'm going to move this out of the way because I'm going to go off script for a little bit. So this week wasn't good for me. The smile is fake. There's a lot of masking. I sent uh, Jonathan a message earlier this week, and I said, is it okay to have a fire sermon about peace, <laughs> uh, given the week I've had? And, and his response was that of an enlightened leader, somebody with wisdom, and said, uh, you know, some, some of the presenter will always come through in the message, but we should preach from a place of our scars and not from our open wounds, and that's that's great advice that I'll take someday. <laughs> um, a lot of you know some of my story that I, I struggle with mental health. And um, I've been really trying to heal. I've been seeking help. I've been seeing new doctors. I've been taking new therapies. There was an opportunity for me to take a job that would have eliminated a ton of my triggers. It, it would have allowed me <laughs> some peace in the worst place that I operate, which is work. Uh, I hope none of you ever have to know what it feels like to worry about the people that you love every second of the day, thinking they're going to die. They're going to get killed. That's the anxiety that I operate every second that I'm at work. And it affects me at home to the point where I have nightmares that I can't get past. I relive them over and over and over. And for the last few months, while trying to heal, the whole thing has felt like it's getting worse. My nightmares are increasing. My sleep is decreasing. I, I don't get to see my son during my work week because I have to spend every waking second that I'm at home during my work week in bed trying to rest. So I was thrilled about this, the opportunity for this position. I was thrilled. And I had some confirmation from people that the position was basically assured to me. And on Thursday night, Friday, Friday night, the way I discovered I didn't get it was via email. And it wasn't just to me. It was a district-wide notification of who got what job. <clears throat> that ineptitude, that lack of consideration, broke me. Broke me. I didn't want to be here today. And if it, <laughs> I would have just pawned it off on Merrick if it didn't affect her just as much. She's, she's got to deal with this too. <clears throat> so we don't preach from our wounds. And I was, I developed a very sterile, very informative Advent week two message on peace because he is the Prince of Peace. But on <laughs> this morning while I was getting my coffee ready, just the, the, the insides of me just screaming out, and you may want to turn the volume down, Rose. 
If you are not aware of my infirmities, you are intentionally not listening. If you do not care about my brokenness, you are not fit to lead. The power that is entrusted to you as leadership has been betrayed over and over and over, and it is all on me. Every time. Why? Why is it on me? You are not listening. So as I'm emoting these things to my coffee maker, (laughs) Jesus says you're right. You're right. You put your faith in man, Corey. So let me tell, turn those around for you. If you don't see what I'm offering to you, Corey, you are not listening. Repeatedly, Corey, I have showed up. You are not listening. I have everything you need. Are you listening yet? Are you going to continue to put your faith in man or in Emmanuel? That was this morning. And after, after Bill comes up and says what he says, I was totally justified, and that's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> there is a peace to be had, and his name is Jesus. I'm not well, but I will be. I have God in my life. I have hope. I have faith. I have joy. I have peace. Some of it may seem fleeting on occasion, but the eternal nature of it is my peace. So now I have to go to the sterile narrative that I produced for you. Do I have your permission to get it? It is educational. I mean, okay. We'll we'll move on to what I actually wrote for you today. And um, it wasn't mentioned, but there is communion at the end of service today as well. So... uh, Prepare to commune with your your creator. I don't know if this is unlocked, but no, okay. Oh, thank you. All right. Now I just kind of need to find a place that's logical to start now. Good morning. <laughs> and like Jonathan, he, he likes to kind of put outlines and bullet points and, and notes and stuff that he refers to. Me, I'm, I'm very scripted, so <laughs> the, this was all that stuff off script just messes with this. Uh, so we're gathered for the second week of Advent, and we're, we're drawing deeper into the season's anticipation and reflection Advent is an invitation to prepare our hearts for the arrival of the Prince of Peace. There's a sense of anticipation and expectation in the air. Advent, which is derived from the Latin word adventus, means coming or arrival, 
And it's more than just a countdown to Christmas. It's a sacred season that beckons us to prepare our hearts for the arrival of the Messiah, the light of the world. So let's pray. And this is a lengthy prayer, but I, there were things that, that needed to happen. So, Father God, as we gather in this place, attune our hearts to the rhythm of Advent, the season of anticipation, reflection, and preparation. And we come before you acknowledging your sovereignty and the profound significance of this time. Prince of Peace, as we embark on this second week of Advent, we fix our gaze on you, the one who brings tranquility and to our restless souls. We invite your Holy Spirit to dwell among us, guiding our reflections and illuminating the path to the transformative peace that surpasses understanding. In this moment, we recognize the challenges that often threaten to disrupt the peace you offer. We bring before you the anxieties that weigh heavy on our hearts, the conflicts that strain our relationships, and the internal struggles that seek to obscure the serenity you provide. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to the transformative power of your peace. Grant us the grace to actively engage in the cultivation of that peace, following the steps laid out by your son Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And as we explore the practical ways to foster peace in our lives, may our hearts be receptive to your guidance. Empower us to be agents of reconciliation, kindness, gratitude, and a world hungry for the peace that only you can provide. Even during life's challenges, may this time of reflection be a sanctuary where we find solace in your promises and strength in your peace. May our pursuit of peace not be a distant aspiration, but a tangible reality experienced in a very, the very core of our beings. We surrender this time to you. We invite you to lead us on this journey of Advent where we await the celebration of your birth and anticipate your promised return. May the word spoken today be a source of inspiration, encouragement, and transformation. We offer this prayer in the name of, your, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our Prince of Peace. Amen. So, Advent is, is a four-week journey, and that mirrors the 400 years of silence between Mal the prophet Malachi and Jesus' arrival. And it's marked by hope, peace, joy, and love. We've got four candles, one to represent each of those. Obviously, this is, Advent is the second one that we're focusing on today. And the lighting of the Advent candle symbolizes the increasing brightness as the, we approach the coming of the morning star. So with each candle that gets lit, there's more brightness, there's more hope. It illuminates our, our, our hearts towards him. It's a sacred season, and we not, we not only look back to that starry night in Bethlehem, but also forward to the promised return of Christ. Advent is a dual celebration. It's about commemorati commemorating the historical event of Christ's birth. Christ, man, I should have just passed this off to somebody else to read. Uh, <clears throat> it's about commemorating the historical event of Christ's birth and anticipating his future coming, a time when all things will be made new. So as we immerse ourselves in the rhythm of Advent, let's not rush through it. Just, we're not, this isn't just we're getting to Christmas. There's a, there's a purpose to the time. You need to take the time to reflect and acknowledge and, and really consider what this season means. So in 
we, we want it to stir. We want it to stir our hearts, align our priorities, renew our hopes, and uh, to consider all those promises of God. So in the hustle and bustle of the world around us, Advent should provide us a pause of sorts, an opportunity to step back and intentionally reflect on the profound mystery of the incarnation. And it's a season of waiting, not in passive idleness, but in active expectation, preparing the way for the coming of Christ into our hearts and lives. So as we delve into the theme of peace for the second week of Advent, let's do so with our hearts open to the transformative power of this season. And may the anticipation of Christ's coming fill us with hope. And may that peace he brings become a guiding light in our lives. Amen. And as we continue our journey through the next weeks of Advent, may our hearts be stirred by the significance of Christ's birth and the promise of his return. May this season be a time of deep spiritual reflection, preparing us to welcome the Prince of Peace into our lives anew. Let us proceed with open hearts and attentive spirits and explore the profound theme of peace. So let's turn our hearts to the words of the Bible. Luke 2.14. I think we hit both of mine today. I didn't pay attention enough, I guess. Uh, Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Amen? And Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. This is a little bit lengthy, and it's got some wording in here that you might not be super awesome uh, familiar with, but it's worth looking into, the whole uh, prophecy here. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Nephtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has shone light. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod for his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle to molt, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's profound. It's profound. These people did not live lives of comfort and materialism like we, we as Americans are used to. They lived very difficult lives. Every day was a struggle. And to just say, you know, really, I'm glad I'm here, but none of this matters. <laughs> he matters. That, that, that's why when we say it's that peace that passes understanding, it really does exceed anything that we could possibly understand logically. So take a, take a minute and let those words sink in. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some words by um, Reverend Martin Luther King 
And uh, the reason I, I chose this excerpt from um, a sermon he did is because it's 100% true today. And this was 56 years ago. He, he gave a sermon on Christmas Eve 1967. And I do some impressions, but I'm not going to do Reverend King. One of the greatest orators in history, you know, coming out of me, I just don't think it has the same effect. <clears throat> so this Christmas season, this, uh, this is quoting Dr. King from here. Okay. This, Christmas season fi- this Christmas season finds us rather bewildered human race. We have neither peace within nor peace without. Everywhere paralyzing fears harrow people by day and haunt them by night. Our world is sick with war. Everywhere we turn, we see its ominous possibilities. And yet, my friends, the Christmas hope for peace and goodwill toward all men can no longer be dismissed as a kind of pious dream of some utopian. If we don't have goodwill toward men in this world, we will destroy ourselves by the misuse of our own instruments and our own power. Wisdom, born of experience, should tell us that war is obsolete. There may have been a time when war served as a negative good by preventing the spread and growth of an evil force. But the very destructive power of modern weapons of warfare eliminates even the possibility that war may any longer serve as a negative good. And so, if we assume that life is worth living, if we assume that mankind has a right to survive, then we must find an alternative to war. And so let us this morning explore the conditions for peace. Let us this morning think anew on the meaning of that Christmas hope, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And as we explore these conditions, I would like to apply its strategy. We have experimented with the meaning of nonviolence in our struggle for racial justice in the United States, but now the time has come for man to experience with, uh, experiment with nonviolence in all areas of human conflict, and that means nonviolence on an international scale. Now let me suggest first that if we are to have peace on earth, our loyalties must become ecumenical rather than sectional. Our loyalties must transcend our race, tribe, our class, our nation, and this means we must develop a world perspective. No individual can live alone. No nation can live alone. And as long as we try, the more we're going to have a war in this world. Now the judgment of God is upon us, and we must either learn to live together as brothers, or we are all going to perish together as fools. And I'll say this secondly, that if, we're have, if we are to have peace in the world, men and nations must embrace the nonviolent affirmation that ends and means must cohere. One of the great philosophical debates of history has been over the whole question of means and ends, and there have always been those who argued that the end justifies the means, and that the means really aren't important. The important thing is to get to the end, you see. So if you're seeking to develop a just society, they say, the important thing is to get there. And if the means are really unimportant, any means will do, so long as they get you there. They may be violent. They may be untruthful means. They may even be unjust means. There have been those who have argued this throughout history, but we all But we will never have peace in the world until men everywhere recognize that ends are not cut off from means. Because the means represent the ideal in the making and the end in process. And ultimately, you can't reach good ends through evil means. Because the means represent the seed and the ends represent the tree. 
Now let me say that the next thing we must be concerned about is if we have peace on earth and goodwill toward men is the nonviolent affirmation of the sacredness of all human life. Every man is somebody because he is a child of God. And so when you say, thou shalt not kill, we're really saying that human life is too sacred to be taken on the battlefields of the world. Man is more than a tiny vagary of whirling electrons or a wisp of smoke with a limitless smoldering. Man is a child of God, made in his image, and is therefore must be respected as such. Until men see this everywhere, until nations see this everywhere, we will be fighting wars. One day somebody should remind us that even though there may be political and ideological differences between us, the Vietnamese are our brothers, the Russians are our brothers, the Chinese are our brothers, and one day we've got to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. But in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, in Christ there's neither male or female, in Christ there's neither communist nor capitalist, in Christ somehow there is neither bound nor free, we are all one in Christ Jesus. And when we truly believe in the sacredness of human personality, we won't exploit people. We won't trample over people with iron feet of oppression. We won't kill anybody. Isn't it crazy to think how far we've come but how little we've progressed? So let's take a moment and unpack what the concept of peace truly means in the context of faith. Peace, as the Bible describes it, is not merely the absence of conflict. It's holistic, a transformative experience that transcends understanding. It's a state of being that goes beyond external circumstances, anchoring us in the deep assurance that we are held in the loving hands of our Creator. I remember many times when I found myself overwhelmed by the busyness of life. It's in those moments of stillness that I discovered peace that couldn't be shaken by those external circumstances. In the hustle and bustle of our daily lives, peace can sometimes seem like an elusive concept, a distant shore that remains just out of reach. We often associate peace with external tranquility, don't we? The absence of noise, strife, challenges. While these moments of external calm are undoubtedly valuable, the peace we seek as followers of Christ goes far beyond what we see externally. True, peace is an internal serenity that remains steadfast even in the midst of life's storms. True peace. I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> True peace is an internal serenity that remains steadfast even in the midst of life's storms. It's the calm assurance that we are not alone, that we are loved unconditionally by a God who desires our well-being. There have been many seasons of life where the demands of work, family, and personal responsibility feel overwhelming. It felt like a whirlwind, constantly trying to keep up with the demands of life. And it became really easy to simply ignore the fact that I could be still and know that he is God. The sort of peace isn't dependent on the absence of challenges. It's rooted in the presence of God. It was an acknowledgement that no matter what was happening around me, I, I was still held securely in God's loving arms. So reflect on what the Bible defines as peace, and let's challenge ourselves to broaden our understanding. Let's seek a peace that is not contingent on external circumstances, but is deeply rooted in our relationship with the Prince of Peace. This peace transforms our perspective. 
allowing us to navigate life's challenges with a sense of inner calm and assurance. And as we journey through the Advent season, let's open our hearts and receive that transformative peace. Let's allow it to permeate every area of our lives. So may, may we become vessels of peace in a world that desperately needs it. There is healing and reconciliation that Christ's peace can only bring. So our anchor in this pursuit of peace is the Prince of Peace himself, Jesus Christ. And in a world that's often tumultuous and uncertain, Jesus comes as an embodiment of his own peace. His birth heralds not just a historical event, but a transformative presence in our life. As we prepare for the arrival of the Christ child, let's reflect on the significance of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. His peace is not fleeting. It's deep. There's an abiding sense of security that comes from knowing we are reconciled with God. The scriptures declare in Isaiah 9-6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So that title, Prince of Peace, that encapsulates the very essence of Christ's mission and the nature of his kingdom. His coming was foretold by prophets. It was awaited for generations and celebrated by angels. The birth of Jesus is not just a historical event. It's a cosmic revelation and a divine intervention that ushered in a completely new era of hope. Jesus didn't come merely to address the symptoms of turmoil and strife. He came to establish a kingdom marked by peace. That peace that surpasses our understanding, transcends the chaos of the world. His birth in Bethlehem was not a random event. It was a divine strategy. It brought about reconciliation between God and humanity. It mended the brokenness caused by our own sin. Consider the irony of the Prince of Peace being born in a humble stable. It's, it was not the opulence of a palace that the Savior entered into this world, but the simplicity of a manger, a stall meant for animals, not for humans. This choice of a birthplace communicated a profound message. Christ's peace is not dependent on your surroundings. It is a peace that can be known in the midst of poverty, vulnerability, and the unexpected twists of life. The life of Jesus exemplifies this peace. In the storm-tossed boat on the Sea of Galilee, he spoke to the winds and the waves, and they obeyed. In the face of opposition and betrayal, his composure remained unshaken, even through the agony of the cross. He still extended forgiveness to a repentant thief. He assured him paradise while he was dying. The Prince of Peace invites us into a different kind of kingdom. A kingdom where peace is not contingent on the circumstances, but rooted in our relationship with him. His peace is not passive. It is an active force that transforms hearts, reconciles relationships, and brings healing to a broken world. And as we navigate the complexities of life, let's anchor ourselves in the truth that the Prince of Peace is not a distant ruler, but a present and active force in our lives. Do you, something occurred to me while we were singing today. Do we treat... God the Father, like God the Father, or do you treat him like Emmanuel? Because th those are, they're distinct identities, but they're, you know, they're cohesive too, right? Do you treat him as a distant being, or do you treat him as God with us?
So as we navigate the complexities of life, let us anchor ourselves in the truth that the Prince of Peace is not a distant ruler, but a present and active force in our lives. Just wanted to reiterate that. In this season of Advent, let's reflect on the significance of the Prince of Peace. And may his birth inspire us to embrace and embody the peace that he brings. A peace that transcends our understanding, a peace that reconciles, a peace that transforms the fabric of our existence. And preparing our hearts for celebration, let's surrender our transformative power of the Prince of Peace and allow his peace to rule in our hearts, our homes, and our communities. So may his presence be felt in every corner of our lives, bringing calm to the storm and hope to our heart. So when you get the opportunities, be sure you take moments and invite the Prince of Peace to minister to your heart. And the truth is we live in a world that challenges this peace at every turn, right? Anxiety, fear, conflict, internal, external, they threaten to rob us of that tranquility that's promised by Christ. The very peace we long for is elusive at times. But remember, Christ faced challenges too. His life wasn't free of difficulties, yet his peace was unwavering. In life's storms, we can find peace by anchoring ourselves in the one who stilled the sea. In the tapestry of life, woven with the threads of joy, hope, and love, we inevitably encounter the contrasting hues of challenges and disruptions. It's a crucial, it is crucial to acknowledge the very real challenges that disrupt the tranquility promised by the Prince of Peace. Life's journey is marked by a myriad of challenges, internal struggles with doubt, fear and anxiety, and external conflicts that test the fabric of our relationships and our communities. It's in these moments that the pursuit of peace can feel like navigating through the stormy sea. Yet the promise of Advent, the promise of the Prince of Peace, he's the anchor that holds. Just from the very beginning of, of his life, consider the challenges that surrounded the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph faced a lot of judgment, <laughs> did they not? And they had some logistical issues, like where to have a baby. <laughs> but in spite of those challenges, the Prince of Peace was born, bringing hope to the hopeless and light to the darkness. In our lives today, challenges to peace often manifest as the relentless pace of life, the pressures of work, strained relationships, the constant barrage of information in an overly connected world. I really debated on whether I wanted to include that or not. I think information can be good or bad. It just depends on how you digest it. But are we overly connected? That's always been my question. The demands on our time and attention can create a turbulence that threatens the serenity that's promised by Christ. Moreover, internal struggles, doubts about our worth, fears about our future, the weight of our past mistakes can cloud our minds and rob us of the peace that Christ offers. These challenges, though diverse, share a common thread. They seek to distract, discourage, and distance us from the transformative peace that Christ brings. The Apostle Paul, Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians, it reminds us, do not be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That scripture doesn't dismiss challenges. Rather, it invites us to bring them to him. It's an act of surrender. Surrender your anxieties, your fears, and your conflicts to God. When we open ourselves to receive the peace that he offers, it will transcend your understanding. A peace that guards your heart, your mind, providing a firm foundation in the, in the midst of life's tempests. I had to use a thesaurus. I didn't want to continue to use the same words over and over. <laughs> I really tried to reduce the number of times I put in the midst. See? <laughs> so while considering the challenges to our peace, let us remember that the very essence of Advent is acknowledging the brokenness of the world and anticipating the transformative power of Christ in recognizing these challenges. We affirm that Christ's peace is not an escape from difficulties, but a presence that sustains us through them. And as we bring our challenges before the Prince of Peace in prayer, may we experience the assurance that his peace is greater than any challenge we face. May his peace reign in our hearts, transcending circumstances and bringing a sense of calm even during life's storms. So I'm just going to give you some, some practicals. How do we cultivate peace in our daily lives? It begins with prayer. Seeking the face of the Prince of Peace. Moments of stillness where we allow God's peace to wash over us. Gratitude. Exercising gratitude. Finding contentment. Let's be intentional about fostering that peace within ourselves and then extending it to others. Seek reconciliation where it's needed. Forgive like we've been forgiven and embody that peace that Christ offers. The pursuit of peace becomes not just a desire but a deliberate and intentional journey. Jesus invites us to actively participate in the cultivation of peace within ourselves and in the world around us. So how do we embark on this transformative journey? I'm going to give you seven, seven things if you're a note taker. Prayer and meditation. The foundation of cultivating peace lies in the practice of prayer and meditation. These are not mere rituals, but powerful channels through which we connect with our creator and the author of our salvation. In the quiet moments of prayer, we open our hearts to God's presence, allowing his peace to permeate our innermost being. Through meditation on scripture, we anchor our minds on the truth that transcends temporal challenges. Number two, seek reconciliation. One of the most remarkable aspects of Christ's peace is the reconciling power. It redeemed an entire creation to the creator. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Actively seeking reconciliation is strained. in strained relationships mirrors the transformative nature of Christ's peace. It requires humility, forgiveness, and a commitment to understanding the perspective of others. Number three, gratitude and contentment. This world constantly tells us you need more, you need more, you need more. 
Cultivating peace involves embracing gratitude and contentment. So take time and reflect on the blessings in your life, both big and small. Looking at what you have instead of what you don't. Fostering an environment where peace can flourish. Number four, embrace stillness. Amid the chaos of life, intentionally carve out moments of stillness. It could be a few moments of mindful breathing, quiet walk in nature, moment of reflection before bed. Whatever it is in these moments, create space for the Prince of Peace to speak to our hearts, offering solace and guidance. Sometimes it's while you're waiting for your coffee to brew in the morning. Number five, practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is the practice of being fully present in the moment without judgment. It involves paying attention to our thoughts and emotions without being overwhelmed. By cultivating mindfulness, we develop an awareness that allows us to respond to life's challenges with a calm and centered spirit. Extend acts of kindness, no matter how small. Contribute to that culture of peace. The ripple effect of a kind word or a gesture 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 can transcend individual lives it can create a collective atmosphere of harmony as followers of Christ we are called to be agents of his love and kindness within the world community engagement engaging with our community in a meaningful way contributes to the cultivation of peace whether through volunteering supporting local initiatives or simply being present for others we become active participants in the pursuit of peace when we seek a peaceful society. If we want to start passing out the elements, thanks for sitting with me through this sterile portion. That was quite a volume change from the beginning to the end, right? <laughs> Jonathan's going to come up and I'll just pray a quick prayer of over peace in our hearts, though. Thank you. I'll have a good one for her, too. Mm-hmm. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, our Prince of Peace. May his peace guard our hearts and our minds, and may we be instruments of peace in the world that desperately needs it. For each of us here, I ask that this season be blanketed in the peace of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.